G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Crowcast brought to you by <laughs> another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. It was another disappointing result from the Adelaide Crows today against Fremantle but uh, joining me tonight in a minute is Macca but uh, in the meantime let's crack right into it shall we? How you going, mate? Oh, wait, let me unmute you. <laughs> Maka, how you doing? Uh, well, probably slightly better than the Crows. Um, <laughs> it only has to be average, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, we had our, we got, I think we got what we expected, thing. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us on Discord. Of course, you can join us on Discord uh, by either using the Discord app and the... Uh, the invite link that's all over the place, or you can just go to aflcrowcast.com, go to the live chat page and follow your nose there and you'll be able to get in straight away and join the usuals that are on the chat. And great to see uh, J. Mac Kempe, Matt, Razor, Vardy, all the usual poor bastards that follow this great, <laughs> this once great club of ours. Um, and of course, g'day to everyone who's also following and chatting on Facebook and YouTube. What'd you make of it, just quickly, Mac? Well, in a nutshell, we, we we're not at AFL standard at the moment. Uh, we're capable of producing some minutes of AFL standard, yep. but uh, overall, um, and whether you t- t- whether you say it's because of just natural ability, or whether you say whether it's because of some of the selections, some of the team placements, is it uh, uh, the game plan, whatever it is. Mm. Um, well, we, we just are incapable of producing AFL football at the standard that it should be. And uh, uh, there's a lot of work to be done and uh, there should be a lot of reflection within the club how do we get to this position because if you don't understand how you got there, it's going to be harder to work out how to get out of the situation. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, not helped by another muckraking exercise by uh, young Mr McClure during the week. I mean... You know, it's been done to death, and we, we've covered it here at Infinitum, but it's old news, and uh, it really needs to be put to bed, and I don't know what McClure is actually trying to achieve at the moment. Well, the interesting thing is that um, I think, I mean, Sam McClure, he was, he's been on this case. He, he was the newsbreaker on it in the first place um, because it was... The making of him, he was he was rude. He's Joe Nobody, he's still really Joe Nobody. But well, he he's been sacked by a lot of his gigs. Yeah, he doesn't realise it. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is he, this is his story, and he thinks that using this story, uh, he doesn't care how much he bashes a crow with it. But and unfortunately, I think this time he's actually spoken to people that used to play for the Adelaide Crow. I think he's always and, had them in his pocket, Mac. I think he's just yeah. been waiting. 
I, I well, think he's had he's had most of the details for a long time. I think, um, you know, and he might have got a hold of Cy or Huey or Eddie or someone like that. But uh, he's had most of it. But what's the point? I mean, it's done now. It's done now. The only thing that I will say is that, um, you know, Rashido coming out the other week and and saying what he said just it just reignited everything, and it was such a dumb thing for Rue to say. And to me, it just shows that maybe Rue and Chapman are the last two dominoes to fall to really rid the club of the cancer that was that freaking camp, you know? Yeah, yeah and you're 100% right there, Fiend. Uh, unfortunately, I think Rue might have to be, because I really do like Rue, and I know that his heart's in the right place. Yep. Unfortunately, unfortunately, his mouth isn't. And uh, uh, I think that to cleanse the club, if you like it, so that we can actually go forward and not be associated with the past, uh, that, that he possibly should be uh, go as well. Chappie is going, um, and to, they must bring an outsider in uh, to be the chairman of the board. They can't use those people there because those people sitting there are associated with our failure and our situation now. So it has to, to get the chairman of the board, they have to bring in, uh, somebody who was the, the guy who is interested in it, the one who used to be chairman of 36s, I think it was. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody like him with a high profile, uh, not frightened to talk to the press, but going to say the right things when he does. Yeah. And um, and also, you know, put some uh, humanity back back into this club because Chapman hasn't got any humanity when he talks. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that have got to be done to get this club back to where it should be. Uh They've done even they did the coal last year. They've cut they've cut too deep, um, and they've left. Uh, I don't know what the basis well that was done with was done on salary or whatever. But what we've got left is some pretty ordinary footballers and some footballers that aren't ready, and that's where we're at at the moment. That's that's right. And probably the last thing that I'll say on this because I want to get onto the results, Mac. But the last thing that I'll say is that. We have to remember that the club over the last five years has been through more than any club could possibly imagine, um, triggered obviously by the tragedy with Phil um, and the mismanagement that followed. Um, and the club, I think, needs some clear air. And unfortunately, I think rashido has got a lot of good qualities. And as you said, Macker, I think his heart's in the right place. But I think in order for the club to get the clear air that it needs in order to rejuvenate itself, it just needs to clear the decks. And, um, you know, for that reason, Mark either has to take a back seat um, and a much less visible role with the club or he just needs to leave altogether. And uh, I think until we get that clear air and new faces, new ideas and a bit of reinvigoration of the club, it's just going to continue. Yes. And the interesting thing is that uh, for Sam McClure to grab the headlines as he has with this particular article, when Collingwood have got so much shit on their plate and oh, Eddie's yeah. making and Eddie is actually virtually lied or yeah. or when I say lied, he's at least presented a different a, picture to the just truth. Been a bloody uh, hypocrite. I mean, he was all over Jack Stevens' situation and saying that, you know, we, everyone deserves to know and blah, blah, blah. And then he shuts up shop with side bottom and and now Degoy, and says that the, the and no he's and he actually he's on record as saying that the next person that does something stupid should get five games, yeah. 
Uh, and then when his boat gets four, he says yeah. it's uh, contestable and all the rest of it. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Mention, it doesn't mention the fact about being drunk. He doesn't mention about it at seven thirty a.m. with no knickers on that he's wandering down the street and then uh, yeah. he's get picked up by a cop and then got taken off to the jail. None of those things got mentioned. No, that's right. So that's right. Uh, never mind. Look, I mean, uh, we'll leave it there. I, the, the, we're on record in terms of how we feel about it and. Uh, Hopefully, uh, those associated with the club that were associated through all this disaster of the last four or five years have enough humility and enough care for the club to be able to see what needs to happen, a little bit like Don Pike, uh, understanding that he wasn't part of the solution. I think Rob Chapman and Mark Rusciuto need to understand that, uh, that you know as much as they've done for the club... They are no longer part of the solution and they need to clear the decks. Um, so let's hope that over the course of the season, um, you know, they can see that. The, the last, the very last thing that I'll say is I really didn't like Matthew Nix's answer to the question about how he was going to address the, you know, so-called new revelations brought out this week. If I was Nixie, I would just shut all that down and say, look, it's dealt with. This is a new playing group. And you blokes need to put it to bed because it's done. You know, regrettable, but it's done, and we're moving on. Yeah, and I would have you're quite right. He just have said, "Look, that was that's not on my watch, and yep. um, and I've got my own agendas, and that's yep. what we will be following." He had the opportunity to really shut that down, and I felt like he missed that opportunity, and uh, uh, it'll linger as a consequence. Anyway, look, mate. Let's get on to the results of this week, shall we? And uh, Thursday night, the Saints and Carlton put on a reasonably good uh, display of footy. The Saints getting up 11-7-73 to Carlton on the back of Paddy Cripps, really eight, particularly in the second half, 8-7-55, a margin there of 18 points. Did you watch that one? Certainly did. Um, yeah, St Kilda just a little bit too good. Uh, they brought in some imports, they brought in some speed um, and I think that their their imports played pretty well for them uh, in that particular game. Carlton, I think, came to earth with a bit of a thud. I think they got, you know, a bit carried away with Bryce's blue gap, blue baggers, and all that crap. But um, they had a win, but they come back crunching back to earth. Yep. I will say this about Carlton: they try. They're not they're not there, but they try. And my, the other thing I would like to say about that particular game: they really must be looking at. at uh, What's he, that bloody bloke they got from us sort of in the forward pocket? <laughs> McGovern. McGovern. I couldn't even remember yeah. his name. Is that Paul? <laughs> honestly, he's playing. Honestly, that they they pay him a good salary, and I'll tell you what, they oh, do yeah. nothing. He's hopeless. No, that's right. They've they've got to look at their forward line. Actually, they're playing Casbolt a little bit differently. Uh, Harry McKay's sort of not making any impact when he plays, and McGovern either is not making any impact. And I think you know they're probably. I think one one key player down in through the oh, midfield. They are though, but they're a star player uh, down up forward, Charlie Kerno. I mean, well, how yeah, good that's that? right. If he was playing, it would be a yeah. different thing. But still, Paddy Cripps carries that midfield too much, and I don't think he's a hundred percent fit. I think he's got a bit of a. It wasn't as proppy this week as he was last week, but I, I noticed last week he was really proppy on that knee. Um, so uh, they got to they got to concentrate on that. I think. Um, going forward to give him some assistance. Look, uh, Essendon, su- kind of surprisingly, got up over Collingwood, 10-363 to 7-6-48, a margin there of 15 points. And the Bombers just sort of ticking along all right? 
two games in one. It started off looking like uh, Collingwood were going to kick them off the park. They they had, I think, out of, out of the first lot, a lot of touches, I can't remember, it was something stupid like about 60 or 70 to 5, something like that. Yeah. Um, might, might even been higher. Uh, it was just, I thought it was going to be how far. Then I will say this about the Bombers, because they do move the ball very quickly at times, and uh, uh, when they get that type of game going and get it into their forward line very quickly, they can actually play good footy. But the one thing about Essendon, they'll always let you down ultimately, I reckon. Well, they're making the best out of a pretty uh, average sort of, you know, the average sort of squad, really, um, in my view. And it's good to see Truck Rutten uh, doing well. Um, but I, I think that they will fall away at the pointy end. I, don't, I just don't think they've got the... Uh, I don't think they've got the firepower. Uh, to That's really... probably what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else have we got here? We've got West Coast... Uh, defeating a disappointing Sydney and, and West Coast uh, uh, finally uh, showing a little bit of form. 11-11-77 to Sydney, 6 goals, seven forty three. a margin there of 5 goals to West Coast. I didn't actually watch that game. Did you watch it at all? Yeah, yeah two, there's two factors to that particular game. One is that uh, Sydney beat us by a point that it doesn't make them a very good side. And uh, West Coast got a little bit of their mojo back. Um, so it was not was not a great game. Um uh, West Coast did at least get a bit of their game going again. Yep. Um, the Cats, uh, predictably, I mean, I think the Suns did as well as they could have been expected, to be honest with you, with two massive milestones and playing at uh, Alphabet Stadium. The Cats getting up 13-11-89 to the Suns, 8-4-54. The Suns not assisted by uh, the number one pick, uh, getting a shoulder that's probably going to rule him out for a fair while, I reckon. That looked uh, pretty bad. Um, but a margin there of uh, 37 points. But I don't think the Suns were actually disgraced in that in that result. Far from it, because they, they they did look um, losing losing Raul is like losing about two players out of his out of your side yeah. because he's so good. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, they they battled on a manfully. Talking about Raul too, he actually tried. It, he popped out when his elbow hit the ground. He actually was bashing it back, and he wanted to try yeah. and play on. He's a gutsy guy. He really oh, is. He'll he'll be uh, he'll be a star. He really will. And you know, the media make a lot of these sort of things, but I, I did think that it was interesting that Selwood went up to him afterwards, and I think there might be a little bit of a uh, a mutual respect there. Selwood probably recognises a little bit of himself in uh, Matty Rowell, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching Rowell play. I think uh, he's going to be an absolute jet over the next 10 years. If he can and stay the interesting fit. thing is, is both Rowell and Anderson committing they're committing long-term futures as well to the to the Suns. Yeah. The, um, haven't they turned that around up there? Have they ever? I mean, the, the Lacursius and Rankin, now these two, they're, they're actually they're building up a very nice uh, team that, they yep. actually might make finals soon. Yep, absolutely. Uh, look, the Bulldogs thirty nine eighty seven are up against a disappointing North Melbourne five goals eight thirty eight. I mean, the Bulldogs have been very hit and miss uh, over the first four or five rounds, uh, but uh, North would be disappointed with that result. A margin there of what's that forty nine points? I only saw glimpses of that game. Thank God, it was a shitty looking game. Yeah, just a, you know, just like a struggling game. Um, yeah, North Melbourne didn't do very well. The Bulldogs, the one thing we'll say about the Bulldogs, they, they started off like uh, pussycats and then 
for the first couple of games of the season, then they've converted back to their desperate ways. And, and there's one thing about them. When they do that, they're very hard to beat. Yeah. North Melbourne must have been extremely disappointed with their effort because they always pride themselves on having that same sort of attitude to the ball. But um, little bits that I saw that, well, yeah, uh, I would say their coach would be very disappointed with their effort. Yeah, I think so. I think I would be too. Uh, the match of the round it was billed as, uh, but Brisbane comfortably in the end, 12-13-85 over the pair, 6-12-48, uh, margin there of 27 points um, and uh, Brisbane looking the goods right now Well, Brisbane are very good I think they have got a good side and that you can pencil them definitely in for the finals I still haven't got Port locked away for the finals yet because if you, if you look at the three teams that they did beat uh, before they played uh, the, um, Brisbane they, those three teams they beat were sitting 16th, 17th and 8th, 18th so they haven't as yet played the cream teams yet. So I'm still hoping that they might finish in ninth position like they usually do. Yep. I, I don't think so, Mac. I, I think they're, they're, they're a lock for top four. Um, really? I, well, I'm not convinced. I'm not, I am not convinced because um, I thought Brisbane made them look ordinary. Well, I don't think... I think Brisbane did very well at shutting down their prime movers. Yes. I think Port have got a couple of problems. Robbie Gray looks like uh, he's struggling. And I think defensively they might be exposed against uh, tall um, uh, tall forward lines. Um, but by the same token, there's not many teams that, that uh, line up like Brisbane. Um, and that's why I think against a lot of these other teams... Um, you, that are around the mark, like you know, your Collingwoods, etc., and your GWS. I, I think they'll match them, and uh, I, I think they're a top four chance still. Well, I, the, the area that concerns me with them is uh, their their midfield is not. If you look at uh, Brisbane's midfield, far better than Port Adelaide, and uh, there are a few other teams that have got much better midfields, and I think that will ultimately be one of their worries. Possibly, anyhow, we'll, it's going we'll to see. be interesting to see how their season plays out because really, I mean, you could probably argue that was their first real test. So, uh, you know, and they failed. Uh, so Kenny Hinckley uh, acknowledging they've got a little way to go. So we'll see how their next month works out. Um, Richmond 12-7-79 beating Melbourne this afternoon 8-4-52. Richmond just sort of reasserting themselves a little bit, although I don't rate Melbourne as an opposition terribly much. But a margin there of uh, twenty-seven, I think they'd be back. Yeah, they'd be happy just to get back on the winners list, really. I think you're correct on all counts there. Uh, Melbourne, um, they are very good at burning the ball, and uh, Richmond got a little bit back to playing the way that they uh, have been successful with. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say they were all the way back there. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a very high quality game, but. By the same token, uh, I'd say that uh, Hardwick would be absolutely delighted to get a bloody win for a change. Oh, yeah, they'd be very happy to get back on the winners list. And the last one with uh, not far to go, it looks like the Giants are going to get up over Hawthorne at the moment. The Giants 12-375 over the Hawks, 7-749 with not long to go in the last quarter about eight minutes i think uh so barring some sort of surging comeback which we nearly got caught by last week um it looks like the giants are going to get up on with that one which is probably predictable i think hawthorne are probably a middle of the road uh team so far this year yeah look um i did watch the first three quarters of that game and i would say that the giants uh 
starting to play the type of football that they are capable of because at their best, they are a premiership chance. And uh, they started to play some very good football. Um, Hawthorne, as you said, I think they sit there middle of the road. They they could make the eight. They might miss the eight. They'll be around that middle middle section. Yep. Uh, but, but GWS, they are too good for them. Yep, I think so. Um, let's have a look at the ladder, and of course it doesn't account for that Hawthorne game, but uh, at the moment we still have uh, Port at the top, joined by Brisbane, both on four wins. Uh, Port with better percentage owing to the fact that they've played a few more cellar dwellers than uh, Brisbane, I think. Um, the Cats and St Kilda in third spot. Um, that's a weird ladder. Um, well, yeah. It doesn't account well, for the Bombers game either, but uh, the Bombers no. are up there in fourth, in uh, third spot with four wins now as well. Um, and then you've got the Cats, the Saints, uh, the Suns, the Bulldogs, and the Giants on three wins. And then uh, you've got the rest with uh, us down the bottom, mate. Down the bottom. Have we ever started? What? What's our worst start? Is it six zip? Or zip six? I think it's zip six, isn't it? Well, we've certainly had a six zip. I was only trying to speculate on that earlier, whether it's six zip or seven zip. I, I know we've had definitely we've definitely had a six zip, and um, I think we have a very good chance to repeat that again. Um, we might even go seven zip. Who knows? Well, yeah. I mean, we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But fifty three percent with not even a not even a whimper, and of course. The percentages are probably a little bit exaggerated by the fact that they are lower scoring games. But my God, I, I haven't seen a started season uh, this bad. Vardy, Vardy in the chat uh, obviously gives us all the right stats, and he confirmed six uh, zip in two thousand and ten or eleven. So um, that's close enough, Vardy. Thanks, mate, for supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's not happy. Let's uh, let's talk about the Crows game, shall we? And it was Fremantle eight goals six fifty four to Adelaide four ten thirty four. A margin of twenty points. Um, after a shocking first quarter, we looked like we were getting back into the game. We you know pretty much evened it up at three quarter time, and then uh, um, Frio got a little bit of a, a run on out of the midfield at the start of the last quarter, and it was too much for us. The interesting thing about though that theme was that uh, early in the piece, I thought we were with poor skills. We were sort of matching them, but the, the, some of those set shots we missed for goal. I would back you to kick them. Well, That's now Macca, during watching the game, I remembered a while back we had a little bet. Remember that I couldn't kick thirty from thirty, and I was watching mm. the game and I thought, you know, I should go out to Scotch College across the road and just. Like from where they miss their shots, I should have a shot. From where they miss their shots, and I reckon I'd kick every one. Now, you know, granted, I'm not fatigued and uh, you know under the pump uh, pressure wise, but I'm also fucking twice their age. I reckon I might do that during the week. I might, I might take the young lad out across the road, and I'm going to mark out where they miss their shots from, and I'm going to try and kick the goals because. Uh, as poorly as we played uh, in large parts of the game, um, we we had every right to win it. Well, if, if we kick those goals, um, and you know, it must be a massive de- uh, deflationary factor on the players when oh god, yeah. uh, 
you know, you take your mark. You're 20 metres out in front, 30 metres out in front at, at most. And then you just keep missing. And it's not, you know, I think uh, uh, young, young Lockie missed, was it two? Yeah. I think these the two. Uh, and they, they were just gimmies, absolute gimmies. And yeah. um, everybody's ass just goes plop to the ground, you know. Oh, yeah. They, well, you work so hard to get the ball into a scoring position and then, you know... To be let down, you expect to be going back to the middle and then all of a sudden you've got to be manning up and, and watching Frio dance it out of defence again. It's just, it is very deflating. I just need to uh, pause and just uh, say g'day to everyone who's joined us on Facebook and YouTube. It's a really good turnout. And also on Twitch, um, g'day to all those people as well as the people that have joined us on Discord. Uh, get in amongst the chat. It's a good chat going on in Discord at the moment. Um, mate... Aside from the fact that our kicking for goal let us down, I felt like, I felt like, and the stats will back this up when we look at it. I might just start throwing up the head-to-head stats because we we actually were level or in front in a lot of the head-to-head stats for a large portion of the game. And it just showed the difference in the way that we moved the ball compared to Fremantle. Hmm. Well, there was a big, there was a large difference. There's no doubt about that. Um, for a start, they tried to hit a chest. That's something we didn't do too often. Um, but um, I, I really don't. I, I can't tell you what our game plan is. Well, and that's the point I was alluding to. I guess is that we we don't at the moment seem to have any real system. Um, you know, it, it's a very it's, it seems to be a game style that's very much focused on individual efforts. There doesn't yes. seem to be any real plan. We seem to be playing our forwards very high for long periods of the game, um, which means that when we do transition out of defence, it's often very disjointed and you know searching for targets and all the rest of it. We seem to have players out of position quite often. It, that I, I don't know whether it's uh, a matter of the players not yet gelling into Matthew Nix's game style or whether it's Matthew Nix's game style being a little bit different to what we're used to seeing. Um, but I, I certainly can't work out what they're trying to do out there. Well, if we if we listen to what Nixie says, what he, what he says is that, he's, that his game plan is built on defence. Mm. And, and that's fine, uh, built on defence. But, you know, uh, there is... Uh, middle of the ground, and there's also a forward part of the ground. So it's not, not just but it's not just about getting the ball in the back lines. Something has to happen to the bloody ball to get it down the other end and get it through the big stick. So yeah. that's the part that seems to be missing out of the game plan. Yeah. So yeah. We, so the answer seems to be like we burn your ass off trying to get the ball in the back lines, and we'll worry about the rest after that. Because I really can't see um, a game plan at all. With pipe, we used to do a lot of uh, switching. Uh, we like we used to change angles. Uh, yep. That was one of the, one of the things that he brought in, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. But I can't see anything like that. Uh, and you know, maybe I'm a moron and I'm missing it, but I just can't see it. No. The the other thing I think that contributes to it, Macker, is that our players, uh, as a group, are extremely low on confidence at the moment. And uh, very, you, you can very. see that by the way that they're playing. They're not willing to take any chances. Uh, they're not willing to uh, make those diagonal kicks. Uh, they are very um, jumpy with ball in hand. They're, they're very too grabby in terms of trying to take the ball cleanly, etc. And 
I think one of Nix's biggest challenges is to is to free up the playing group and to give them license to make mistakes because at the moment it feels to me very much like the back end of last year where the players just went completely into their shells um, because they 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 lost confidence. Well, the only thing I disagree with you, I don't think they've come out of their shells um, because um, they're, they're back in their shells all right. They're, there is no confidence whatsoever. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've actually listed the players on, when I, and I won't jump ahead, but um, I've listed <laughs> the players in, into categories of good, okay, and bad. And, yep. and you know, it's a, it's a very small good list. And, and uh, Well, uh, and I'd, I'd be willing to bet, Mac, that your good list, and we won't jump ahead just yet, but the good list would be largely the youngsters. It does seem to be the senior group at the moment who are struggling. Well, I, I have uh, four new names there. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's look at some head-to-heads. And uh, apologies, my little stat tracker uh, crapped itself as badly as the Crows' game plan this week. So uh, I'm just uh, plagiarising. So it's buggered. It's buggered. Yeah, it's completely cooked. <laughs> but uh, we went back to a real handball happy game. Mac, uh, they had 197 kicks and only 88 handballs free mantle. We had 170 kicks and 133. So our kick to handball ratio was uh, was imbalanced once again. And Frio, particularly in the first and the last quarter, they just cut us up with those short kicks. And uh, we seem to um, be playing a sitting back kind of zone defence. Um, and we just we just kept giving them territory. Yeah, we did. We did. There's no doubt about that. And there were, were. I won't give. They won't. Uh, well, I won't say names. I'm not allowed to. But a couple of the, <laughs> couple, couple, couple of the young boys had stats of four and eight, three and nine. And yeah. the first one is the kicking, then the second one's a handball. Yeah. And if you've got the young boys doing that, my God, that's that's the wrong tactic already. That's right. Yeah. Um, look, uh, as a consequence, of course, the marks were heavily in Frio's favour, 109 to 79. Uh, tackles, 39 to 41. Um, Riley got uh, towed up a little bit in the hit-outs department, although I felt that he was good around the ground. He tried. Um, yeah, look, uh, clearances. We ended up winning the clearances, although it didn't look convincing to me. I think, it's that, I, I think we touched on this last week. It's that second disposal out of the clearance. And it's the effectiveness of the clearance that really hurts us um, in terms of uh, how how well we benefit from getting a, a positive um, clearance number. Our inside 50s uh, were even. Uh, and we did, after the first quarter where it was quite one-sided, I, I felt like that we, uh, we did have our fair share of um, inside 50s. Um, although... The ball was coming in far differently, Mac, into our fifty than it was into theirs. Yeah, and the other thing is, is I, you probably haven't got it broken down by quarters, but at three quarter time, the uh, experts were saying that they, on what they'd seen in the third quarter, where we did build up a little bit of momentum, that they thought that we might run over Fremantle in the last yeah. quarter. Yeah, and uh, that was never eventuated; it went really the other way around, and. Uh, uh, We'll talk about why that why that might have happened in a well, minute. Well, I was going to, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to go into. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. talk about that. Um, because I'm a bit pissy about that one. 
Um, clearances 24 to 20, as I mentioned, um, and mostly that was around the ground. We did quite well in stoppage clearances. Um, meters game was relatively even. Um, turnovers relatively even. Tackles inside 50, we actually won that stat. So, look, Mac, I can't understand why the club, the selectors and the coaching staff cannot see what everyone watching can see in that we can't play two crouches in the same rotation in the middle. Correct. Why can't they see it? And I felt like it killed our momentum in the beginning of the last quarter. I felt like the last thing we needed was a slight... We needed to burst out of the centre in that last quarter and kick a couple of quick ones. Well, there was exactly an example of that. I think it was Brad. uh, Was it it Matt to Brad or Brad to Matt? One of the Uh, two. I think Brad had it, I think, and could have gone charging down the centre, went sideways to his brother and all got stuffed up. That's exactly right. And, look, uh, I get it. Uh, They've played together for years and all the rest of it, but this is professional football now, and they can't just be doing it. And I, I put on Twitter... Uh, at some stage during the game, I think it was at half time that we should have a drinking game um, and drink every time one of the Crouchers gave it to the other. And I reckon we wouldn't be having this podcast if I'd have done that because I'd be rolling around the ground drunk at the moment. Um, yeah. And the amount and of times... You might have ma- preferred that to watching yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times that Brad sold players into trouble with his disposal, um, he he... He completely lacks uh, composure with his disposal. Um, And, you know, a number of times he sold players into trouble and cost us a turnover. And he he has this habit of trying to make it someone else's problem. And uh, sorry to quote Dwayne there, but I I, I think having Matt there, his first look is always to Matt. And I actually think it costs him, you know, half a second. And it just puts him under the pump. Yeah, because actually I thought Brad actually played well in terms of his effort. He turned he played very well in terms of getting the ball. But as you said, it, it was the disposal that let him down. Um, I, I just hope he keeps that format up getting the ball because he's a, he's a must-trade at the end of the year um, to get uh, you know get another very good pick alongside us um, because uh, I, I don't really think he's part of our future. Well, you know, it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Uh, because a, a, an informed Brad Crouch is actually what we've been wanting to see. And, you know, everyone will say he won the BNF last year and all the rest of it. But, you know, I, I personally think that uh, he won that by default, <laughs> given, our, given our season. And uh, um, I think Daniel Talley could probably count himself a little unlucky and a couple of others. But notwithstanding that, we haven't seen Brad in, in full flight for a number of years for whatever reason, but the simple fact is he doesn't have the burst pace, he doesn't have the composure inside, um, and I think we need to decide with the Crouch boys, uh, and particularly with Brad, because I don't think Matt's got too many other roles available to him, but with Brad, I think we need to decide how we want him to play, and then just play him. But the one thing that I really, really hope that they look at the tapes and see is that Matt and Brad in the same rotation has a very negative impact on Brad's game and also on the way we move the ball out of stoppage. Well, if you compare uh, how Brad used the ball uh, this week when with Matt playing and on the and in the same rotations and compare yep. that 
to last week where Brad, I thought, was very good with the ball in hand. Yep. And uh, he was actually kicking a lot better and he's trying to, and trying to put the ball to advantage a lot better yep. rather than going for little dinky choices. So you're right. And I think that probably, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we have to get rid of Brad. What I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, if there is some really, really starry, starry, say we can finish bottom in the... Uh, there's a brilliant number two pick as well, then I would be happy for him to trade him. If, that, if that's not the case when we, and we keep them, so be it. But then if we're going to keep both of them, I would, I'd like it almost like a golden rule. They're not in the same rotation. No. I've never been a huge fan of Brad. I, I think that's no secret to anyone who listens to this podcast. Um, but I'd much prefer that he was playing well than not. Obviously, I don't wish bad form on anybody. Um you know, and but as you mentioned, Mac, the, the stats are, are, are very clear. Twenty and twenty kicks, four handballs last week without Matt and the team. Fifteen kicks, thirteen handballs this week. And not only that, I felt like um, his ability to actually be constructive with the ball was far less this week than last week. And a lot of that is to do with Matt's presence, in my opinion. Yes, because he's looking at other alternatives than the obvious alternative. I mean, there's, yeah. when you've got the ball and you look around, they're, they're, as a player, they're generally, sometimes there's none, but, but generally there is one that's going to be a bit more advantageous than the other, and sometimes it could be a very clear one. Yeah. But uh, if you start looking around for alternatives, you A, you've lost that little yard that you had on your opponent, so you start kicking under pressure, and secondly, you'll probably kick it... Uh, won't be disposing of the ball as well as you would have if you'd just done it straight away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that Matt's presence does it does inhibit Brad a lot. Yeah. Patrick on YouTube says, trade Matt. Look, I don't. I, I struggle to find a team that would benefit from Matt. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, Macca, the team that I think would actually really benefit from Matt Crouch is Carlton. I yes, think they yes. would really benefit from having a grunt inside player that could free up Cripps a bit and preserve Cripps's body a bit. Um, and uh, they're one of the few teams in the competition at the moment that I think would actually benefit from having Matt Crouch in their side. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, also, if they if they do run around and make leads, he does love, love, love to do those little chippy kicks. Yeah. Look, anyway, um, so let's have a look at some of the individual stats, um, Macca, um, because I think they're a little bit misleading. Um, we'll, st- we'll start with Brad. He had 28 touches, and as I mentioned, 15 and 13. He had good uh, uh, contested possessions. He had nine, but he played fairly much outside. Uh, his disposal efficiency was surprisingly good, 21 effective disposals at 75%. Had six clearances. Uh um, you know, three intercepts, three score involvements, 370 metres game, four tackles. It looks a good game from Brad Crouch. Statistically, it looks a good game from Brad Crouch. But then you look at eight turnovers and then you also apply the eye test to the match itself where you see that some of those effective disposals just sold teammates into trouble. Yes. And, you do, and the conclusion that you reach is that whilst... He has he gets good numbers. I don't think Brad. I, I don't actually see think that I've seen Brad Crouch influence a game or win a game. 
and he's one of the few midfielders, elite midfielders in the competition that doesn't have the ability to turn a game like a steel side bottom or, you know, even young Matty Rao for that matter. Um, he doesn't have the ability to do that. Sadly, you know, I do think probably um, the right coach, using him in the right manner, probably could turn him into that player. Um, and that would be, you know, use him as a burst player because when he when he read, when he gets the ball and bursts right through, and which he did a little bit last week, uh, if that if that was his game by nature that he did that every time, he could be a very valuable player because it would yep. keep the, the defence peppered and under pressure all the time. And not being the most accurate kick, they wouldn't know where it's going to go either. Which which is from a defender's point of view is oh, it makes him very very nervous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he could really be the player that we want him to be, but you'd have to give him license and you'd have to feed him a little bit as well and you'd have yeah. to tell him to go flat out and ignore the guys to your side, straight yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Now, Burn on Twitch, come on, mate. He reckons Macca should have his own radio show. Well, there's two points to that. First of all, uh, no, he shouldn't. But second of all, you could argue <laughs> you could argue, Macca that you already do have your own bloody radio show because you keep going under AA and winning the vouchers. Well, and quite rightly so, because, I mean, you hear some of the gibberish that people rig up about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some would say, you, some would say that about be, us, mate. Bloody hell. Well, all I do is I wait till it's a decent prize <laughs> and I have a, I think it's something constructive to say and, it, and out, out it comes to me. I reckon so, if we offered bloody Sammy's vouchers on this program, you'd probably not log in and then you'd ring up and try and win that bloody voucher too. Um, I would. Yeah, <laughs> Look, Matty Crouch had probably the most ineffective 27 uh, disposal game I've ever seen. Um, 10 kicks, 17 handballs, um, 5 tackles, 3 inside 50s that I don't recall, 4 clearances. He only went at 66%. Um, but I just, at no stage do I actually recall Matty Crouch, um, again, having any positive influence on the game. Uh, okay, he didn't and his think defensive he... work, Mac, sorry to interrupt just to finish that off, his defensive work is appalling. His fitness, his pace, his ability to run is appalling. There was an example on the outer wing where he just either simply chose not to chase or physically couldn't chase. I, I can't tell which one it is. But either way, it's, it's not AFL standards. Uh, he doesn't work hard enough both ways. There's no doubt about that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got dropped, if anything, actually, um, in the first place to uh, make him work a little bit harder chasing his opponent. But I, I still think he, he doesn't work, definitely doesn't work hard enough. The other thing, too, his very first kick of the game, if I remember rightly, he did go for a long kick down the forward line and put it neatly on the chest of the opponent. So he then uh, re- reverted back to the 15-metre kicks after that most of the time. So yeah. uh, while he gets the ball a lot, he's not that damaging. Yeah. And speaking of being completely ineffective, Rory Laird, again, 14-11 for 25, took six marks, one tackle, two inside 50s, three contested possessions, uh, went at 76%, gave us 334 metres. But again, I I don't recall Laird-y having any real positive impact on the game from half-back. What was his efficiency rating, Fee? Well, his efficiency was 76%. Well, he- It calls into question that whole stat because, to me, I mean, I guess there's a difference between efficiencies, which is whether the 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 ball 
made a target or whatever. But in terms of his effective disposals, like the his disposals actually putting a teammate to advantage, I can't recall one. Well, I think we must have players that can mark a sixty a sixty meter high ball because he kicks. He does. He doesn't. He's bossing the ball a lot when he's kicking lately. Oh, look! And he just puts it on people's head, and you know we're not talking about key position players. He puts them on Lockie Murphy's head. He put one on Rory Sloan's head. Like it's just. You can't kick the ball to, to your teammates like that. It's not putting it to advantage. Well, two years ago, he used to be pretty deadly with his disposal. And I reckon he used to be running in the 90s, didn't he? Um, yeah, but there was still that 20 or 30 metre pass. But what he used to do, Macca, was get that little diagonal off. Yes. And he's not doing that now. He's kicking down the line. So, you know, uh, maybe the options aren't there for Letty, but by God, he's not he's not making anything happen and and we have to remind ourselves with Rory Laird he's an ex-all-Australian player you know he he was Mr. Reliable in our team not that long ago well yes and at at the moment he's uh, just another AFL player at the moment and uh, and look he's he's got he must have a lot of gears to go in him because he's not playing at the level that we know that he is capable of and maybe he isn't maybe he's lost a little yard in pace which then brings you back to the pack which means you don't have the same time for your decision-making or it just puts you down to that little bit of pressure. But um, he's certainly not... Well, if he was 100 in the year when he was All-Australian, he's probably about a 70 at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, I think Laird would agree with that. I don't think he'd be terribly satisfied with his form. And let's, um, you know, let's put it into context. Our defence is getting absolutely hammered at the moment. Absolutely hammered. Um, and you know it's batting down the hatches time in defense and so they're playing very deep uh the ball's coming in quickly there's not a lot of time to set up and regroup and all the rest of it but uh we've got to get our drive from somewhere and at the moment i'm not seeing a lot of creative play from Laird. and i would repeat what i said last year i'd really like them to actually try swapping Laird and brown around a, to, to take a bit of the heat off Laird and allow him just to be a defender, and B, to take advantage of Lukey Brown, because I think Lukey Brown would offer us more at the moment coming out of defence than what Rory Laird is. Well, I think you're right, because uh, Brownie, Brownie is very, very good where he plays, um, mm. because he's a real lockdown player. Um, but he did play as a midfielder as a young lad, so... Uh, he might enjoy it sitting out there on the half-back flank and being a little bit more creative because he, he is a very, very good kicker of the ball as well. Yeah, so look, you know, um, what else have we got here? Uh, the one bloke that I thought was very good um, today was Tommy Diday, uh, 18 disposals, 7-11, took five marks, um, 11 contested possessions, went at 94%. Uh, didn't give us a lot in terms of drive out of defence, but I thought defensively he was quite good and... Um, he's come back from that ACL quite nicely, I thought. Have a great big tick against his name. I, yeah, I thought, look, as you said, like, he didn't uh, turn the game around and like uh, it was charging down one way, he didn't turn it around and make it charge back the other way. But he saved so much, so he saved so much, and he just read it so well. And, uh, yeah, he, and some of those marks, it's just how... Incredible how easy he makes it look. Now he's just read it so beautifully. He's just yeah. in the right spot. So yeah. he got he got a big tick for me. Yeah, um, Smithers got twenty touches, fifteen and five, took seven marks. 
uh, three inside 50s, um, went at 85%, gave us nearly 400 metres, turned it over a little bit. I must admit, I didn't notice Smith's game as much as some, um, but he did give us a little glimpse uh, of form that has been sorely missed over the last month, I thought. I actually gave him a tick because I thought he busted his guts, actually. I, th- I thought it's the hardest I've seen Smith go in for the ball, uh, which probably does uh, negate his game a little bit because, you know, he's a runner. But he's still got the 400-odd uh, metres gain. Uh, I, I, I think there's no doubt that I thought Brody got not quite as to the level of Dodo, but pretty close to it. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Lynch, I'm... Um... I don't know what to make of Tom um, because I, I felt like uh, he started the game okay and was coming into his own in the second quarter and I just felt like he was going to start giving us that real connection that we were looking for uh, between defence and attack. But my God, his disposal is absolute ratchet at the moment, Macca. It's never been great, but at the moment it's bloody terrible. Yeah, I had him in the middle category, not a not a, a real good effort or not a real rotten effort because he did get the ball reasonably well, but as you say, his disposal was lacking and so just just a middle-of-the-road game for me from Lynch. He, he is such an important... Well, that, that role in our team, in the way that we play, is such an important role and the problem is that Tommy gets up the ground and when he gets the ball... Because we're in transition, everyone's running forward. And when you turn the ball over from that position, you've got everyone out of position. You've got everyone ahead of the ball. The ball gets turned over and it get, and it hurts so quickly because not only is it in a vulnerable position on the ground, but it's also caught all of his teammates out of whack. And it just opens us right up. It's such a damaging thing. Well, it's a known fact, isn't it, that uh, the turnover is usually uh, the greatest source of scoring in, in, in the AFL game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, and, and Lidgey does turn it over a bit. Well, and it's not only that he turns it over, Mac, it's where he it's does. Places, yeah. It's yeah. you know, high up on the wing or, you know, through that middle of the ground. It's just, it's horrific, you know. Anyway. Yeah, going one way next minute, they're, they're all, they become all out of position. Yeah. Look. Of the rest of our players, I thought Sloney was uh, down, although it was good to see him out of the out of the uh, midfield rotation. I, I like the fact that he was playing sort of that defensive wing, um, probably by necessity, as you said to me, prior to the show off air. But um, I, I just like the fact that he was given a bit of respite from that in and under crash bash that he goes through every week. Yeah, don't think he could have played otherwise. Um, with his ankle, I, I, I think they were... Avoiding him, the being he didn't, he didn't, he didn't attend not one centre rotation, and uh, he basically, I think it was oscillating between a wing and a half back flank. That uh, yeah, if he, if, uh, and it was a modest game from him, but it wasn't. A, he competes whenever it's near him, uh, but by by using him in that fashion, it also limits how much he can put into the game. But also, uh, when you look at how much you're going to invest in the future, well, I suppose it doesn't really matter much. Well, you know, I mean, the the problem with playing Sloaney on the outside, which I've certainly been screaming for for a while and playing him out on a wing, is that because he can't run uh, at the moment because of his foot or his leg or whatever the hell he's got, we end up sacrificing him as a defensive wingman, which kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? 
Yeah. So, no, he, you know, he ended he, up playing... He rolled his ankle. He rolled yeah. his ankle. So he ended up playing, you know, sort of across half-back for the large portion of the game and therefore didn't give us... I mean, how much did he give us in terms of inside 50s? He only gave us... Um, Gave us three inside fifties for the game, yeah, um, and only gave us two hundred and seventeen meters gained, which, from a wingman, particularly of Sloan's calibre, uh, you'd want a bit more. So I don't know. I mean, I was it was good to see him out of, out of that rotation, but um, if he's carrying a niggle, for God's sakes, why play him? Like, just don't play him. Yeah, fair enough. Um. What else do we have with our uh, seniors? I didn't think... I thought Riley O'Brien, I, I guess I'll class him as a senior. Again, it was a it was a game of two facets for Riley. I thought he was really good around the ground, but uh, got stitched up a little bit in the middle. Um, Which is why I gave him a middle rating, yep. Yeah. Uh, Talia was dependable without doing anything amazing. Uh, Luke Brown... I oh, guess. he was good. He, he he tried very hard. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Luke Brown, I think Luke would have spent the majority of the time on Walters when Walters was forward um, and did okay apart from that one hanger that Walters took, which no one could really defend. Jake Kelly, I thought, was disappointing. Um, Didn't have a good one. No, no. and a, a couple of moments where it, he just highlighted how much he stifles our run by his lack of willingness to move the ball on quickly. Um, it was really noticeable on a couple of occasions. Yeah, and there's always there's always rumours around that he wants to go back to Collingwood. And I, think, did he, I think he did ask to go back to Collingwood one year, didn't he? Um, would, yeah. like, would, you, would you be open to clearing him? I'd be open. Look, if someone wants to go, I'd say let him go, unless they were really a top-five player. What uh, do you think I'd, he's worth? Oh, third-rounder? Yeah, well... Depends on who uh, wants him. Uh, you know, uh, if he's going back to Collingwood, would they would they pay a third rounder for him? Maybe not. Maybe with something coming back the other way, they might. Hmm. No, it's interesting because uh, I know that he's asked before and, yeah. uh, and I think he's out of contract at the end of this year, so... Yeah, he, he could possible. go. Um, Hardigan, look, I thought he tried, but I wonder why the hell he was played. Um I know Fisher. I will, look, I know that Fisher is probably was probably looking for a breather, but what about Geordie Butts? Well, like, he's still my line. Kyle, for God's sake. and Kyle, look, Hardigan tried. He did try. He laid a couple of good tackles, made a few good spoils. He certainly wasn't our worst player defensively, but to me, Kyle Hardigan is there for when Daniel Talia needs a break, and yeah. Geordie Butts needs to get into this twenty-two and. You know, I'd, I'd much rather see Butts in and get towed up than Hardigan in for no bloody reason. Well, I, I'm 100% on the same page as you. I was very disappointed to see Hardigan come back. You know that he's not one of my favourites because while he, he he tries like hell and, and nobody's ever going to ever convince me that he doesn't try, he, he just... He just has brain fades and he doesn't put himself in the right position. Uh, you know, his opponent took an... Un, uh, Unopposed mark. At least with Fisher McAsee was getting outbodied, um, but his opponent took a, a mark. And where's Harvey? I'm looking around for him, and he's, he's oh. about ten metres away from him. I think that's a bit unfair because the ball was moving fairly quickly into their forward line, and I think by and large Hardigan is pretty solid overhead. the The trouble is that he makes too many mistakes by foot. Um, well, I am prejudiced. Yeah, but look, the simple fact is that Kyle is a is a good honest player, but we've got. 
kids that we need to blood. And Geordie Butts is one of those players that we need to blood. So bloody put him in. Um, and the last one, Mac, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this guy, but is the writing on the wall for Tex Walker? I know that our forward line didn't get much service, but again, he puts his one hand up. Um, he looked very slow. He looked stiff. He looked sore. Is is the, is time up for Tex? Right now, you're an impartial person, Fee, and you're not on the committee. You're not. You're you're just judging as a person who watches a lot of football. Yep. Give me a, give me a mark out of ten for Tex Walker today. Oh, one, one out exactly. of ten. That's exactly what I've got written here. One out of ten, and you can't have a chap with his experience and with his alleged ability giving you one out of ten when he's supposed to be a leader. And I know he's not the captain anymore, but he's been the captain. He's been seen as a spiritual type of captain, a spiritual type of leader. And when a guy goes up half-heartedly, when I say half-heartedly, got one hand in the air. He, had one, he actually made one jump of it with two feet off the ground, but unfortunately the ball wasn't quite there when he jumped. Yeah. And, uh, look, he looks like he's cooked. He really look like, looks like he's cooked. Look, I think and, so, Mac. I really do, and I, it's a sad way for Tex to go out. And you know, I go back to that game against Carlton when he did his knee, and that was Tex's career right there because he's—I don't feel like he's ever come back from that. And he was panting teams before that occurred, and it's such a disappointing thing for Tex as a player. And, and he's—you know—at times he's carried the the club on his back, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I think when Fogg is ready to go, uh, and even maybe before that, but I think certainly when Fogg is ready to go, Tex is the one that makes way. Well, I 100% agree with you. Um, and, and because if you go on performance, it has to be that way. Uh, I'd also like to see a situation where, um, you know, you're talking about bringing young, young butts into the back lines, and I, I'm a supporter of that as well. Um Young Mackesee, I'd like to see him uh, played in a forward role, with, say Fogarty at centre-half forward and Mackesee uh, in, at full forward position. Um, because, uh, look, it's all about give, getting these people, these young, young lads a lot of experience and uh, young Mackesee is, uh, is a versatile, versatile type of player and I'd rather see him playing at this level. And as a forward, he's going to have... Uh, uh, he's not going to be it'll be his job to try and get the ball rather than try and stop somebody else. So uh, it'll just give him a little bit more freedom to do his own thing. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, you know, it's not an easy conversation to have about Tex Walker, but um, but you have to be honest. You, yeah, you know, we're putting ourselves. He 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 was terrible today. Terrible. Yeah, he he was terrible. I mean, he had six touches at fifty percent, seventy six meters gained. I don't think he had a shot on goal, did he? Um, you know, no marks. He, he's a key forward. He's there to take marks and kick goals, and he had no influence whatsoever. All right. Anyway, uh, look, let's have uh, a look at the juniors because that's the future, um, Macca. Uh, Chase Jones, let's talk about Chase first of all. Three and nine for 12 touches. Didn't take a mark or lay a tackle. Oh, sorry, laid one tackle. Uh, eight contested possessions when at 75% disposal efficiency only gained us 83 metres um, spent a bit of time up forward again um, well the, I, when I, he's I, around the ball he just shows you something but well, I don't, no, he's he, just not around the ball enough well yeah exactly 
But also, I, I would, he's got to learn uh, to be a little bit more. Uh, three and nine is, is is a terrible ratio for a, a player to be uh, making making his way in football. Yeah. Um, I, I would much rather, you know, give him a six and six, or, or just slightly positive with his kick, the number of kicks to handballs, and whether it's because uh, through inexperience he finds himself in these difficult positions, then he has to do that. Um, but I don't, I don't doubt his efforts and he's got tons of pace and I think he will make it. Whether yeah. he will make it as high as we want him to, I don't know, but he will certainly make it as an AFL player and he'll make it as an AFL midfielder and he's got dash. But at the moment, um, he's in a team that's got a lot of bad habits and I, and I think he just adopted some of them today. Yeah, look, I think I think all Chase needs is a bit of time. I, I think the talk about his ceiling at the moment is probably irrelevant. Um, because I don't think he's a fully developed AFL footballer yet. Um, no, you're right. And uh, he's got he's got good pace. He's uh, tenacious. Uh, I think having a better midfield around him would help um, because everyone's a bit seaball, get ball in that midfield at the moment. There's not a lot of cohesion. Um, but you know, I just think for Chase, we just we just encourage him and keep playing him but for goodness sakes give him midfield minutes give him meaningful midfield minutes first or second rotation he has to be in there at least 75% of his time on ground in my opinion well I'm with you 100% and that's the only way he's going to develop and and, you know there'll there'll be games when I'll be critical of him like this and he he didn't use the ball as well as he should have. Yeah. But the more he plays there, the more he does it, the more he'll get used to do it, and the more he'll and the better he, and the better he'll do it. Yes, exactly. Um, Ned McHenry, much the same. I, I thought, uh, in terms of endeavour and and impact, I thought this was probably Ned's best game so far. Um, and I think similar to Chase, I think Ned just needs a little bit more strength. Um, I feel like he's got really good moves. He's got good agility in close. Um, and I think he's actually got a little bit of composure, but he lacks enough strength through the core to be able to break that first tackle. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think that'll come. under pressure, yeah. But I must say this, though, Fane, and I'm not bagging McHenry here, but no. I'm going to bag the club here. When I look at Dersma, when I look at Butters, and then I'm looking at McHenry, I'm thinking we got shortchanged. Well, it's a fair statement to say that Ned probably went a bit higher than what he should have in the draft. He's probably a good second or early third round pick, to be perfectly yep. honest. Yep. And there's a lot to say that uh, young Chase probably went a little bit early. Um, yeah. Well, you know, they're they're the, they're the blokes we've got, and I think look, I think both of them are AFL footballers, given the right conditioning. And given the right coaching and played in the right positions, um, and, it, and in fairness to them, surrounded by the right players as well. Yes, I they agree. can't do it on their they can't do it on their own. They are not a Matty Rao or you know they're not a standout midfield. I don't think either of them are going to carry a midfield, but they're going to be solid parts of a good midfield. And I think both are worth persevering with. Um, but I think yeah. both of them just need uh, more time to develop physically because neither of them are tall players. So they're going to have to be powerful through the through the core, so they can break that first tackle and use their pace. Well, Jones has actually put a little bit more on. Um, Ned, of course, is little, 
um, in terms of stature, uh, and he, he's because he's naturally fairly light. I, I, I admire his courage and his aggression, but um, to me, it always looks like he's uh, an under twelve playing under fourteens, um, <laughs> and, and that's just why he's always uh, he's having get, like his disposal's a bit scrappy at the moment because. He's an under twelve playing under fourteen. Now he's got to somehow elevate himself up to be an under fourteen. Yeah, yeah. But look, it was good to see Ned get more of the ball. He had twelve touches, three marks, uh, kicked two behinds. Should have kicked two goals, really. Um, yeah, he should have. Should have kicked two goals, and it wouldn't have been a bad game from him had he nailed those two goals. So you know, uh, progress for him. Um, what do you make of Billy Frampton? I, Billy Frampton to me is far too slow for AFL football. Um, but he's a more natural looking forward than Himmelberg. Would you agree with that? Yep, totally, totally. He's, he, uh, he, Himmelberg, unfortunately, um, he, he's been around for a long time and for some reason just just ha- doesn't step up. He just stays at the same level. Frampton, I think, can improve. Whether he's going to be the long-term answer, uh, I don't know. But I think he's... Out of uh, Frampton and Himmelberg, he's the one that we have to stick with this year because uh, I think Himmelberg is not going to be on our list at the end of the year. Well, I want to just ask you a quick question without notice. We've had a couple of um, blokes that have looked very promising in the SANFL uh, as key position forwards. One is Elliot Himmelberg and the other one is, I've forgotten his bloody name now, the son of the Ruckman from Hawthorne. What was his name again? Um, that we delisted a couple of years ago. So, uh, we delisted many, sorry, the Ruckman for Hawthorne, did you say? No, no, no. The son of a of a Hawthorne Ruckman. Come on, chat. Help me out. I've just gone completely blank right now. Uh, what's his bloody name? No, Come on, Vardy. Give it to you. Yeah, that's right. Harry Deer. Oh, Harry Deer, yes. Harry Deer. Well done, Vardy. <laughs> Both of those um, blokes looked very promising. In fact, I had high hopes for Harry Deer when I saw him a couple of times. His ability below his knees was fantastic, and he had a bit of tenacity, uh, a bit of fire around the contest. And but neither of those players kicked on. And I'm starting to wonder whether we have the ability or whether we have the personnel to be able to develop uh, tall key forwards. Well, uh, not in recent times we haven't. That, that's for certain. Um, but I, I don't know whether that's the case with Frampton or not. I think Frampton's got a... Uh, well, Frampton's not a, a product of our development so far. No, he's got to make his own way now. I mean, he's a, a, a semi-mature player in the sense that he's, there's still growth of him to improve. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, I'd hate to be a forward there anyhow. But, yeah, but we've never had we've never had a dominant big forward we've had good forwards we've had you know obviously mods and scotty hodges and a few other probably the medium medium size yeah probably the most the the two most consistent center half forwards that we've had in my view are matty robin and mark stevens and both of them were only serviceable you know, Matty Robbin used to straighten us up and give us a target, but he never took a game by the scruff of the neck. And Mark Stevens was probably a little bit more effective uh, than Matty, but we have never really been able to develop a, a good key centre-half forward. And uh, we seem to do very well at developing um, 
you know, hit up forwards like Tex and Fog and Mods and a few others, Scotty Hodges and that. Barty. Yep, yep. Uh, those sort of blokes. But we've never really been able to develop a key centre-half forward. And I wonder whether Himmelberg and Harry Deer before him have been hampered by the fact that they're just not getting good development. And Vardy Magic, the... Johnny Klug, come on. Johnny Johnny Klug was a legend. But Johnny Klug was a mature player. (laughs) Johnny Johnny Klug was a mature player when he played for us, so I didn't include him, although, you know, all hats off to uh, Johnny Klug. Look, the truth is they don't grow on trees and they're very scarce. For example, Richmond have got one. They stole that off of Gold Coast because Gold Coast had the ability to take that type of player uh, finishing bottom all the time with a number one pick. So um, most of the ones like that, they've they've been stolen off other teams. Do do you think that a good big man is uh, particularly a good forward, a key position forward, uh, is genetic rather you've either got it or you haven't you can't develop a good big man forward genetic absolutely genetic i i think that i think that's true as well actually i think it's uh, to be honest with you i think it's probably luck i think it's how they develop um but it just struck me that you know we had two really promising types in elliot himmelberg and harry deer before him and neither of them kicked on so which is a real shame and dsg makes a really good point trent henschel was probably uh the most unfortunate of that group because he did was going to be very good was going to be very good yeah so and unfortunately uh his career got smashed anyway that's a conversation to uh explore another time miles paholke again didn't get a lot of the ball uh but i i feel like miles just needs a block of games uh maca because every time i see him he just works his way into the game a little bit more well i've got him in the middle category because um so very what you said. He actually, what he does, he does well. Uh, he he just doesn't touch it enough times. I think he touched it ten. Was that right? Uh, yeah, and I only had seven, uh, but took three marks, hit the goal. Yeah, um, he doesn't touch it a lot. And what he does do, he does right. If he could t- you know, double his amount of number of touches, he'd be a damn good player. Well, who would um, you who would you rather as you're in and under midfielder at the moment, Matty Crouch or Miles Baholki? Uh well, if I had to say in the long run, uh, I'd, I'd probably go Maddie because Maddie will get you a lot of ball. But um, but I will say this for Paholke. I do like what he does when he gets the ball. He is actually trying to do something very creative yeah. each time he's got it and, and often does. Yeah. But, but he, he really does have to increase uh, the number of times he gets it, Fiend, before yeah. he's got to be convinced. Yeah, and I think a contributing factor to that is his lack of a yard. I think Correct. if there's anything that he really needs to work on, and I think it would be worthwhile him getting a sprint coach, um, he needs to he needs to find a yard of pace. Yep. Um, Shane McAdam, uh, I reckon this kid is going to win games off his own boot for us going forward. Um, like he's, really, he's, a, he's a tick. He's a typical McAdam. He'll go periods of time where you won't see him, and then all of a sudden he'll bob up and kick three or four goals and win you a game of footy. And I just think he stays in the team, and stays in the team, and stays in the team. Well, I'm I'm backing you 100 percent all the way on that one because he is part of the future. He really he's talented and he's got pace and he he, he can do the mercurial as well. And it, for him, it's just a matter of time of playing more games at this level. And each time, he's just going to get better and better. I, I really like him. 
Well, and, you know, to be honest with you, I had my doubts about Shane, not his talent, but his ability to get himself AFL fit. And the fact that he's worked so hard on getting himself AFL match ready um, is a testament to his commitment to make a career out of AFL footy. And he's got buckets and buckets of natural talent. And now that he's actually fit and conditioned for AFL footy, I, I just think you just keep playing him. Just keep playing him. Well, you have to because th- this is what we're looking for. I mean, it's not it's not about this year. It's about next year and the years after that. Yep. And when now we can say, tick, we've got one here. Now we will develop this guy and we'll give him every opportunity because he's got it. He's yep. got he's got certain X factors that can, in the long run, be a, make him a very good player for us. Yeah, and we'll also take mark of the century one day. I yeah. can almost guarantee it. Um, and I've saved the best till last. Will Hamill, I thought, was the best of our youngsters today. Um, I wouldn't call it necessarily a breakout game, but I think we certainly got to see what Will Hamill is going to offer us going forward. Well, he had a rickety start to the game. And yeah, and as the game went on, he just got better and better and better. And I thought, in the in, in the last quarter, when everybody else was floundering and doing nothing, he several. Several times he got the ball and he darted it off and, and nice, beautiful disposal. This kid is going to be a very good player. I don't know what he would. Do you play him on a half-back flank or do you develop him as a wingman? Because he's he, he's a. I reckon he's going to be a real talent. Well, I he's think back. he's. I think you know who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Isaac Smith. Yes, and that's why I mentioned the wing. Yeah, I. Look, I think it'll depend on the makeup of the team and the game style that uh, the coach employs at the time. I think he could probably play either. Um, but at the moment, I like him off half-back. Um, I think it teaches him a little bit of a de- defensive um, mode as well, which isn't necessarily bad. And point, we're we're a bit one pace with today having to do a little bit more defensively and being held a little bit more accountable defensively. We do need someone who can run off half-back um, particularly as we seem to be playing Smith a little bit higher. And I think at the moment that's probably Will's spot. Um, but I could see him certainly filling a wing role under a different set of circumstances quite easily. Yeah, I know. And the two things, ones that really, really pleased me out the game, because I was trying to, you know, to get save something out of watching that crap that we watched. <laughs> and uh, and uh, McAdam and Hamill, they were the two that really said to me, yeah, we're going to be around and we're yeah. going to play a lot of games for you and we're going to be good players in the end. Well, the thing that I like about Will Hamill the most is the first thing he does when he gets the ball is he puts in five yards. And so many of our players could learn from that, particularly our midfield. He gets the ball and he just puts in five quick steps. Accelerate. He just accelerates. Yep. Yeah. And he it's gets beautiful. himself clear and then he get, then he gives himself a second to be able to assess. Whereas a lot of our blokes they're flat footed and they're having to assess the situation, you know, whilst getting smashed. Whereas Will the first thing he does when he gets the ball he, he finds a free spot. He doesn't panic with the ball and he and for a third gamer that's impressive to be able to have that composure to be able to think all right, I'm just going to use my pace to get clear. And then I'm going to try and use the ball effectively. And he's only going to get better and better. And uh, I'm glad that they've finally picked him. And I again, barring injury or, or a real drop of form, he's an, he's another lad that just stays in the team now. Yep. He's really only a two and a bit uh, gamer, Fiend, because well, you know, he right. had, with that concussion. Uh, you know, and he, right. had started that, he had started that game particularly well as well. So, um, no, he, he's, he's definitely part of the future. 
Yeah. So I'm look, I like I like Keys. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I forgot Benny Keys. Uh, I think Ben showed that um, he can be like he's never going to be a star, but I, I think his work rate and his um, his uh, desire is going to be quite uh, important for us as as the team develops. I don't necessarily know whether he's part of our next premiership team. But I think he's an invaluable cog in our midfield over the next two to three years, if that makes yep. sense. Well, they were using him as a tagger, and uh, they they did that against Brisbane, and um, they did that again today. And look, he's he's not a bad tagger, and we've we've always done when we've had a tagger. I think we've always gone a little bit better. Um, whereas you know sometimes we just let all these stars run around like you know unregistered chooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, really, I, I thought he he. And he, he he's not bad at getting the ball himself in a contested situation. That's, so. that's right. It's been his it's been his disposal that's been the query, and I think it'll continue to be a bit of a query at times. Yeah, variable, definitely but, variable. You know, uh, to have a bloke that can get his own nut, but also can shut a bloke down, I think is uh, particularly at the moment while we're going through this transition of of uh, you know turning over our midfield and and you. You want to be able to shut down the opposition's best player. There's no doubt that he probably would have got five had five played today. Um, yes. So I think Keys has certainly earned his spot. Um, so and the only other one, Benny Crocker. I didn't have much of a game, and I'd really like to see Ben influence the game more. Um, notwithstanding the fact that it's tough on our forwards at the moment, but Benny Davis well, has got to get in there somewhere, and it's either going to get, be Tommy Lynch or Ben Crocker at the moment. Yeah, well, look, he, he wasn't hopeless, and I, oh, I no, do like the fact hopeless. that he will he, he will compete for the ball. So um, I, I didn't put him in the good category, and I didn't put him in the bad category. I just he was just sitting there in the middle, and uh, and because if you're in the middle, you, you're open to go and be replaced if somebody better comes along. Well, look, he had you know he had 14 touches and eight marks, so he was probably the main conduit for us uh, going forward. Um, so it was certainly he wasn't our worst, but uh, his work rate was good. Yeah, but we need. I think we need to get Ben Davis in for more than five minutes. Um, my preference would be that Ben Davis replaces Tom Lynch, um, but I could very easily see the way that uh, Nix is trying to balance experience and youth at the moment. That it yeah, might be is. Ben Crocker. So uh, Ben's got to make sure he makes every post a winner. The other thing, you know, I think we've mentioned all the players, basically, we, except for Murphy, who I thought destroyed his own game with those two shots for goal, um, but but does try very hard. Um, the coach, or the coaching panel thing. Yes, that's uh, where I was heading next uh, to finish off this cast this week. I'm. It's far too early to, to make any sort of definitive judgments, but I'm starting to become a little bit concerned about... Matty Nicks and I think it's unfortunate that Nicks coming on board has coincided with you know uh, coaching panels being stripped back because of the virus etc etc I I really um, I worry about coaches that come in with a game plan and they're unshiftable irrespective of what our current squad looks like and at the moment, it seems to me that we're not necessarily playing a game plan that suits our current list profile. 
Um, and I think that's why we're struggling because we're, we're, he's got us sitting back behind the ball and trying to slingshot, which is GWS all over. We don't have that team, Mac. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I wish we did. Um, no, you're 100% right. And I I am concerned about the coaching uh, situation in the sense that I do, look, he's, he's a rookie coach. He yeah. came in with his own. And rookie coaches generally think they can change the world because nothing bad has happened to them up to that stage. <laughs> That's and, right. <laughs> but then once they start coaching, they find out there are bad things out there. Um, but I think he came in there with his own game plan that he thought was going to work. Yep. And when, when you look at who he's got to help him, he's got uh, Ben Hart and Say No More. Well, and, and Mickey uh, Godden. And Mickey Godden. And he doesn't have a senior assistant like Ben Rutten does alongside of him. No. Uh, you know, Matt has gone. Uh, you, you know, you've just got people who were development coaches before, like Brett Riley. Yeah. Uh, Brent Riley. Uh, they come and they fill in. But Yeah, smell it, of gnarly rag stuff. Well, it is. And so what we've really got is a rookie coach with a plan that he thought was going to work, which isn't, and with, uh, I think, a sheer lack of assistance. So... I think, from my point of view, it's all part of the master plan to get pick one. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly got the right formula, even if it's not intended to do it. Well, hopefully the AFL is listening because you've just said that we're tanking, Max, so that'll cost us about three years' worth of picks. Um, Look, I don't know. I'm not at any stage during this season going to uh, put Nix's head on the chopping block. No, not me at some stage, I'd like to see some some semblance of a game plan. And he's probably just sorting players out um, and seeing where their heads are at and working out who's who. But I don't think he's doing himself any favours at selection at the moment. Um, and I know his hands are probably a little bit tied. And the problem, I guess, Macker, is that the blokes not in the 22 are playing scratch matches, which are not played to the same intensity as an SANFL game. Uh, or an AFL game. So it's very, very difficult for um, for a coach to have confidence in bringing in a bloke after a block of five ga- or four games or whatever um, and think that they're going to be at the standard because they, they haven't develop, developed that mat fi- match fitness. So it's certainly not an easy time for Matty Nixon. I do feel for him. Um, it's The game plan has been confusing. Uh, but I think that's been exacerbated by, you know, the players not playing well. What would you, what, you know, with players like uh, Gibbs and um, J-Mac, um, what, what do you think? Do you, do you ever pick those boys, you know, just give a game now and then just so that they can say they played for the year? Or do you well, I think J-Mac's never... very good on chat, but I don't think we pick him in our side. Uh, D-Mac. Oh, sorry, D Mac. <laughs> sorry, sorry, J Mac. Um, he had not been around long enough. I've forgotten his bloody name already. Look, I don't, I don't see any reason why you would pick D Mac again. Uh, we've got Will Hamill in that role. Um, I don't think David plays any other role. Um, so I don't think we see David again until uh, unless there's injuries. Um, Bryce Gibbs. Probably the same, although we don't have the same level of depth in our midfield. Um, so there's, I, I could see Bryce coming in if, say, Brad Crouch got injured. Uh, but I don't think they get selected on their own merits, um, Macca, to be honest with you, either of those two blokes. 
So what you're really saying is their only chance of playing a game is if a senior player got uh, injured. Look, I think and, so. And and then they fill that position. Say so, say so like Brownie or something like that. I, I think so. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. It, 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 it seems cruel when you know that they uh, well, Gibbsy lost a lot of form, but uh, but if they were playing at their very best, that they could probably play better than people that are in there. But mm. it isn't really it isn't really about this year, unfortunately for them. And it's really, I, I'd hate to be them because uh, you'd be sitting there thinking these kids are some of these kids are not getting a kick, and yeah. you think, and I'm better than them. But yeah. unfortunately, that's not how, and what we're about this year. Yeah. It's, it's we're about the future. The, there's a couple of lads that I'm worried about in the twos at the moment that are stagnating a bit. One is Geordie Butts, as we've mentioned. The other one is Young Shoal. I'd really like to see him. Well, Rocky um, Shoal is one one I really want to see yeah. in there because he's got he's got pace and he's got beautiful disposal. Well, he's kind of dropped off calculations because I haven't seen him on an emergency list or anything like that. And um, right. uh, you know, you don't know what's happening in these scratch matches or or you know training or whatever. But I'd really like to see Lockie. Uh, get an opportunity at some stage to show us what he's got. Obviously, Benny Davis as well needs to come in and get a block of games, poor Ben, um, to at least close the close the discussion on whether he's part of our future or not. Um, yeah. But uh, look, to be honest with you, I think you know that's why I was I was surprised to see Hardigan get picked because I would put Hardigan in the same category as um, Gibbs and David McKay. In that, yeah, just, well, he is. there's just no value in in playing them. Well, he's either twenty nine or thirty, Hardigan. So you know, maybe Nix is giving it a, a third of the season uh, just to sort out the uh, chairs on the deck. Um, you know, it, we are only five games in, and he's only just getting used to the list. He's getting he, he's getting an idea of uh, how much buy in he's got from his senior players, um, and we may see a shift in in tack. You know, in the second third of the uh, of the season, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, here's a, quick, here's a question for you, Ben. We, yep. We're playing St Kilda. I think it's St Kilda we're playing here, isn't mm. it? Yeah. What chance do you give us? Well, that is that next week or is that round seven? Oh, sorry, I might be getting ahead of myself there. I think that's round seven. Yeah, but we got at, on current we're, form. We're I don't give us any on current form. I don't give us any chance. They've got a, a a good little system going at the moment with Ratton. Well, because Ratton's a good coach. I yep. think he's a good coach. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to have him oversee our rebuild, Brett Ratton. Um, well, well, you know, I don't, I, you know, I would have liked to have him sitting alongside Nick, so guiding no, him no, and helping. No, no, no. I think Ratton, Ratton would have been a very good selection for our rebuild. Uh, not as not as a not as an offsider. He was an offsider at Hawthorne. Uh, I think he wanted to be a main man, and I think he, he'll do a very good job at St Kilda because they bloody love him down there. Those players are playing for him. And by, and by the looks of him, he's given the bars a bit, a bit of a, t- uh, a few of his bobs. Yeah, well, he's had a rough rough couple of years, mate, uh, with his... Oh, he has, had he, personally? Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, good on him for bouncing back, and uh, I got a bit of a soft spot for him, and as a consequence for St Kilda at the moment, which is unusual. Not usually a, a team that I like. We've got the Weagles next week, Mac, and right. uh, they bounce back a little bit this week. I don't think they're in top form, but one of their strengths is their midfield, and uh, it's going to be a massive challenge, mate. I, I can see us going down by about ten. 
Yeah, look, I think so. Uh, there's there's nothing to give you any confidence. I think we tried hard against an underman, Fremantle, who've been struggling themselves uh, and came up short. So I can't see us doing any damage in the short term with any of these teams, to be honest. I And it's fair to say I can't see where our win comes from. No, the other thing I must say is that um, the one thing that uh, I have this year, which is, it doesn't hurt me as much because I have no expectations. Um, I, you know, I, I said to Mrs. Mackin before the game, she said, what do you think? And I said, well, we're going to lose. It's just only about the margin. It doesn't matter of when, uh, how much. Yeah. yeah. And so I said, you know, normally I'm screaming at the telly and making lots of noise and all the rest yeah. of it. But I'm, I'm just there calmly watching because I know we're no good. And yeah. I know that we've got all this work to do. But I do want to see... Uh, a reaction. You cannot ex- accept a game like Tech's played today, and I do want to see Nick show uh, a little bit of gumption, and at least for the, the one game, drop him. Just, well, just as we round out the cast this week, mate, can you see uh, a case for Macasey of uh, coming in and playing up forward? Yeah, I can. I, I can. I, I'd, I can. Too. I'd actually. I'd, I'd like to see him play up forward. Yeah, I can too. I'd actually like them to um, try Maxey up forward and, and Geordie Butts in the role that Maxey's been playing ahead of yep. Hardigan. Um, that, that that has a bit of a feel for the future. Look, uh, thanks to everyone who's watched us on Facebook and YouTube with our live stream. Thanks to everyone who's listened to us on the audio stream on Spreaker. Uh, everyone who's got around us on Discord and on the YouTube and Facebook chat, we love your input uh, and it really makes a show for us. Don't forget, uh, you can follow us uh, on any of those platforms or on Twitter. You can go and have a look at any of our casts on aflcrowcast.com. If you want to support the cast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash aflcrowcast and... Uh, flip us a little bit of your hard earned uh, but most of all uh, thanks very much for listening we really do appreciate it Macca that's all we got time for tonight mate well we, be, we crammed a bit in there and hopefully uh, Nicky will Mac- be back again next week for us well, um, no, well the standard will go now but Nicky will be here Yeah. until then look thanks everyone stay safe during the week and we'll see you next week yeah good night all